This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. Seattle's Marshall Law Band is out with a new album. It was inspired by the Seattle protests following the death of George Floyd. It's called Twelfth and Pine. Martial Law Band has been the de facto house band for the Seattle protests. They saw rubber bullets and flashbangs firsthand. They were there when Seattle police left the East Precinct when Capitol Hill occupied protest or CHOP took over the area around 12th and Pine. Martial Law Band were also there when a man named Dan Gregory tried to stop a car from plowing in the CHOP and was shot by the driver. All of this influenced Martial Law Band's latest record. We really believe that 12th and Pine is something that all sides need to hear. No matter where you sit on this uh, fence, it's really important that you use music as a tool for education and understanding other people's perspectives. And we believe that 12th and Pine represents our perspective from a front lines lens. That's frontman Marshall Hugh. I talked with him about the band's involvement in the Seattle protest. I first asked what led the band to 12th and Pine. Absolutely. Yes. It's a pretty amazing story. And I love telling it because it starts with black innovation. I was sitting in bed after attending a couple protests and being in the crowd yelling and chanting and really just struggling to find my place and my voice within the movement. Like all of us were at that time, our heads were spinning. And I was watching Omari Salisbury's live stream. And at the time he did have a media company set up, but he was on his personal Facebook and his personal Facebook had something like 9,000 followers on it. And he had gotten pepper sprayed for like the third or fourth straight night. And I just remember him screaming while I have my phone in my hand, where's the leadership? Where's the leadership? And it just felt like a direct call to action, like a movie scene. Like I knew I myself am a leader, a non-conventional one, especially when it comes to music and protests and what people typically think of. But I knew that our platform could continue to energize people, bring more people out to the scene day in and day out the Western Barricade and uh, support somebody who I saw genuinely needed some help. So Amari Salisbury uh, of Converged Media is what got us out there. And then we linked up with so many different community members and medics and uh, ancillary staff that goes into a protest, bike brigade, car brigade, and really just meshed and became a family out there. Uh, this is all pre-chop. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, a bunch of other stuff happened in between then and 12th and Pine. And then you guys were uh, playing uh, when the Chaz and Chop were, were instituted. How did you see kind of things change? Yeah, it was uh, very interesting because originally when there was just kind of the standoff at the Western Barricade, there was kind of that final night, as people call the Battle for the Hill, the day after uh, Dan Gregory was uh, shot uh, defending at the protest. So very traumatic stuff, right? And uh, as we progressed through that and, and rubber bullets were flying, tear gas was going everywhere, we just stayed there and played. And when that occurred and we stayed probably till 2 a.m., this is after our fifth or sixth set in a row, four or five hours, uh, and, and the police made the decision to abandon the East Precinct, that really changed and created a vacuum for the arts to boom. So prior towards that, it wasn't a, a place for the really the arts to flourish. Uh, it was just a place to have the arts be a, que a, a quelling and 
uh, healing element amongst the standoff. When the police left the precinct and we got over, of course, the scare of the Proud Boys and all that, that was almost worse the next day. Uh, it allowed people to feel safe and set up parameters. And then art performing there became more of a educational and teaching and communal healing moment as opposed to being in the middle of a war zone uh, pre-chop. Right. And you guys were uh, went from kind of more of a, you know, hardly conventional, but conventional band setup where you guys are playing sets to, um, well, I'm sure you were still playing sets, but, you know, you were, you were kind of underscoring a lot of the speakers, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. You see, um, on track number three of 12th and Pine, we feature um, a woman that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Her name's Fairy Vaughn Mother. Why do we have to say that Black Lives Matter? Why is it even necessary to make a, a statement that any life matters? And she was someone who was actually out there with us on the street level pre and during CHOP and would come onto our stage and the band would just play behind her for 15, 20 minutes at a time. We really pride ourselves on not... Uh, repeating songs ever and in a four-hour set uh you might think that airs on the side of hubris a bit but we would find different ways to incorporate other people who may not have felt comfortable yelling on a bullhorn or in the midst of uh, a contentious standoff but could use our stage and our music to amplify their message and so that's why we included von mother on the 12th and pine album because she was out there with us uh you know speaking to the people and delivering her message so how is it that in this society, we have to hold up signs and wear t-shirts and have protests and make songs and scream and cry and beg and declare that Black Lives Matter? Have you ever stopped to think why it's even necessary for us to say that? And that's uh, 13%, it's a really powerful track. Um, Played it a couple times on KEXP actually in the last uh, week week or so. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, that Absolutely. one that one's big time. She actually uh, the reason it's called thirteen percent is because that's the percentage of uh, Black people in America, and she wanted to create a movement that would represent something that everybody, no matter their color or creed or identify identification, they could re represent it proudly and not feel, you know, ostracized or like awkward for wearing it. You know, sometimes it's tough for people to wear a fist or something of that nature. So we just wanted to highlight her and give her that space to say what was on her soul. And she came in and just one take jaked it and mm -hmm. really just set the, set the tone, especially following the Black Lives Matter anthem that kind of gets people in a hype mood. Like, wow, this is, this is serious, but it's fun. And then Von Meither kind of slaps people back to reality and says, why is it even necessary for us to make songs like Black Lives Matter? Right. I, I was struck thinking about uh, this conversation today, how, um, you know, I've been around Seattle music for a while and you'll get, you know, different bands and, 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 and artists that are, you know, pose as, uh, you know, bad boys, this and that. But like you guys were really uh, put yourself in the line of fire. And I mean, you still you still are. I know you're still outperforming uh, during the protests that are happening right now. Seattle police haven't let up. You know, how do you guys get on the same page and, and, and keep such purpose? You know, when you were talking about, you know, playing in the midst of flashbangs and rubber bullets to a situation where, you know, there's Proud Boys walking around strapped. Mm. 
Yeah, it's uh, again, you know, our band was called Martial Law Band before Martial Law came to the world, right? And we've been making songs about police brutality and coming together as a society for years now. We've played over 200 shows in Seattle. Any open mic you uh, can name, we've been a part of. And we've always been dedicated towards using our music as a platform to speak on the injustices, especially on racial injustices. So this was natural to us and it felt like a calling. Now, that being said, there's been some moments that have been defining moments that have pushed us past even where we expected our commitment to be. I think one of them when, uh, you know, there was the situation with uh, Dan Gregory, who's featured uh, on track number six on Hometown Hero. What happened to Dan? Dan shot. I said, oh my God. Yo. Shout out Martial Law, man. It's Dan, man. They call me a hero, but I'm just myself. You know, I saw my band members, uh, you know, Marty, uh, Mercy Lewis on the keys, Big Pink on the bass, Shred God on the uh, guitar, jump off of the stage. uh, And these are all white men jump off the stage and put their hands up and hold the line against the police, putting their body at harm. So when I see somebody that doesn't look like me willing to fight for me, that has shown that they're superheroes in my eyes now. So when we got to the point where there was the battle for the hill and rubber bullets were shooting by, I knew that they were already willing to pay whatever price it would take to support what we had going on. So when that situation occurred, it was a no brainer. Okay. We're going to stand with each other. When the proud boys came, you know, somebody came to us and said, Hey, you guys should get off the corner here uh, because you could be safer inside. And I, my father was out there and I looked at my father and I said, they want us to move. And he said, man, what are you out here for? You know, what did you stand out here the rest of the five days for? You're not going to let people push you out of here now and be scared now because we understand that sacrifices come along with this journey and in this movement and who are we to dodge those we have to be willing to live uh what we talk about in our music and so yeah it's just been a commitment we were just out there for the 150 day straight protest uh commemorating you know george floyd's life and the organizers were out there uh, we were invited and it was great to play for the troops but then they said you know we need support we feel abandoned we need people to still come out here every day and show us that black lives matter so it's a constant challenge not only for for people that feel like they're doing a lot for ourselves, but everybody to stay committed. And because there's people doing this day in and day out that need our help. Right. And uh, I really appreciate your, your lens, you know, being so community focused. Um, But I have to ask, you know, have you guys ever felt targeted? Has has there been any threat? You know, have you had any ill uh, situations with the police or, 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 you know, any of the, wackos that that have come out (laughs) absolutely absolutely anything you can think of we pretty much had it um but you know i try not to dwell on those because i've seen people cry tears of joy and communicate how much the music means to them and how much us being out there means to them so we're not facing any other risk that any other organizer in this movement or this community for decades and generations now uh, faces. You have to step up and say, I'm going to be targeted and I accept that, but I'm going to walk in a, a path of love and light. And I don't uh, anticipate any harm happening to me because I don't anticipate causing any harm to anyone else. Right on, right on. There was so much media on 12th and Pine in particular over these last few months. Um, 
did you, and, and when I've talked to people outside of Seattle, they, they would check in with me and be like, are you good? They're saying the city's <laughs> on fire and it's just total anarchy. Um, because I think there are a lot of people who have, have fallen for the, 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 not the narrative, you know, about what a crazy, uh, lawless, um, <laughs> you know, outback that, uh, Seattle has become. Um, have you had to deal with any of those kind of false perceptions? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have a wide, cause I went to school out in Pittsburgh, right? So, uh, I had a wide array of friends, you know, so they'd be messaging me like, bro, are you all right? Like you got to get out of there, man. And at the time when it actually was a standoff, I understood that. And I just had to tell them like, Hey, I know I'm risking my life. But then once the media had like swirled chop or chaz, whatever they wanted to call it into this, uh, strange ball. The concern of my life was just not even really realistic like that. And, uh, it was, it was weird. It was very weird. That's what our whole song, uh, real news is about because our, we saw our face on Fox news. They called me mm -hmm. Chaz Marshall of Antifa. We saw our face on, <laughs> right. I know I couldn't believe it. We saw <laughs> Incredible. And that one was actually like, I almost appreciate that one. Cause it was just a belly laugh, but the, uh, and then, you know, CNN, uh, they depicted a real story, but it was also, you know, it was clickbait in a lot of ways. And so sure. that's what we say in our, our uh, first track real news and we call it r-e-e-l news you know and i say chop chop your edits turn my city into gotham sensationalize our problems now i'm in the mirror like what happened still it's lights camera action no backtracking because i don't need cnn or fox news now nah, i know i need truth so what i tell them no i don't need cnn or fox news now nah, no i need truth you know, and these are real life situations that we experienced and we saw the media twist and warp uh, stories that we actually know what was going on because we saw it uh, and use our face and our message for their own purposes and not just tell the truth that would actually have united people. Right on. Right on. Real words. So just to wrap up, what do you... What do you think people that are here in, in, in your town um, can do? Uh, or, or what do you see that needs to happen mm -hmm. in terms of, of, of support that they can move the needle, you know, on this? Absolutely. You know, I think what people need to do and what 12th and Pine represents, if nothing else, is that this isn't just an album. This is an experience. This is something we live. This is a documentary. This is a graphic novel. This is us digging deep in our passions and pushing ourselves in our passion and lending our talents to the movement to amplify the message in a lane that we feel comfortable in because you have to remain strong in adversity. And if you don't feel comfortable in your lane and you don't feel passionate in your lane, you're going to waver. And then you have to have a great team in a, in a unit behind you. And when you have those things and you lend those to the movement, you're not going to experience burnout and people are going to stay in their lane and they're actually going to do more good and not step all over other people who are experts in politics. I can't pretend to be Nikita Oliver. I can't pretend to be Y King, King Equity Now. I really can't. But what I can do is take their message and amplify it and say, go to them if you want to 
talk to somebody, Mayor Durkin, but if you need a concert to rally these troops and if you need some thought-provoking music in the meantime to bring people out to the streets, I got you. And I'll carry the torch during that segment. But when it comes to the right time to hand off and deflect attention, media, or get the right person in the right meeting, that's something that we all need to understand our role. And we can't do that without finding our passion and empowered in the movement. A lot of people are fighting because they don't know what else to do, but they know they want to help. You got to do the things you're good at already, because that way you're going to consistently do them. If you just show up for, you know, the first 20 days as the everyday march and the nightly march and the direct action march communicated on the 150 day uh, march, then you're going to burn out. And then you've abandoned those people. You have to do something that's not going to have you just come for a quick bit and dip out. This is for life. And we got to make a change now because this could really be the movement of all movements. I've been talking to Marshall Hugh, Marshall Law Band, whose new album, 12th in Pine is out now. You can purchase that on Bandcamp. Marshall, I'm hoping you could uh, tell me about uh, a song that we can go out on that you would choose from 12th and Pine. Yeah, it's hard to choose because all of them kind of feel like my babies still. But if I had to pick one that really encapsulates the moment right now is just a reminder. We have to chant it. We have to write it on signs. We have to make songs. And that's Black Lives Matter. This is actually a song that we made up on the streets of Seattle playing during the protests. And it's just grown into this genre blending. It has J-Mo the Bird. It has uh, Alex Dugdale on clarinet. And this is Black Lives Matter. Don't you forget it. No!
That was Sound and Vision. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you have the means, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation to support this podcast at kxp.org backslash sound. Thanks for listening.